Welcome to Mystic Soul Unveiled, where we go on a transformative journey to unveil the sacred depths of your being. I'm your host, Kathy Arbeiter, and I'm thrilled to guide you through a path of self-discovery, healing, and spiritual empowerment. We'll uncover the veils that shroud your true essence, peeling away layers of conditioning, entrenched beliefs, and the residue of past traumas. We'll tap into the wisdom of spiritual guides, harness the healing energies of sound, and unlock the keys to overcoming life's struggles. Through candid conversations, insightful teachings, and empowering techniques, you'll discover pathways to transcend limitation, heal wounds, and live a life aligned with your highest pleasure and purpose. so much for joining me again on another episode of Mystic Soul Unveiled. I have a good friend, Amanda Alchemy, and she is here to talk to us about plant medicine, sacred sexuality. And I just want to introduce her to us really quick. She is a somatic facilitator who offers transformational retreats, hands-on body work, and virtual mentorship. She specializes in women's empowerment, masculine and feminine embodiment, and somatic experiences. The modalities she utilizes includes polarity therapy, hands-on healing, embodiment exercises, plant medicine retreats, and sacred sexuality. She is described as a bridge between worlds, an oracle, and a spiritual midwife. What a beautiful bio. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So if you could take us back a little bit and tell me a little bit about what brought you into the field that you're in right now and what that journey has been like for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The origins for me of getting into this work was definitely my own path of self-healing of realizing that I had undergone a lot of trauma growing up and I had done a lot of work to try and resolve um, those traumas in the linear mind. And um, I just couldn't ever really get to the root of what it was that was in the way of me living my fullest potential or really just living a happy life. I had struggled with depression through most of my adolescence. That depression led to abusing alcohol, cannabis. I was promiscuous. And yeah, when I was really young, I had eating disorders and sexual trauma. It's like a, a rocky past that I don't speak of too often because I'm so far beyond what that was for me. But it's definitely, I feel like I've seen it all, I've lived it all, yet there's so much to be seen and lived that I haven't experienced in this body. But yeah, so I tried to heal those things using the absence of medicines. I got sober, I got really into raw foods, I got really into fasting and water cleansing and going out on the land for vision quests. And there were still some pieces that like had cords into my being. And so after many years of sobriety, I turned to plant medicine. Yeah. The story goes is I fell to the ground. I was where I was living in Sedona, Arizona. I was on a walk and I just literally fell to my knees and I looked up and I was just like, please, God, help me. Because I had hit like rock bottom, I had tried everything. And yeah, then I realized that I needed to consult something outside of myself, or at that point, I was willing to seek and consult something outside of myself to really heal. And yeah, I've done a lot of work with all of that and um, integrated a lot of that process for myself. And yeah, I, I feel really honored and grateful to move through the world the way that I do supporting others on their journey and yeah being a conduit for this work and um, for what's possible for people yeah Yeah. thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's a very common story is we have a lot of trauma and things like that. And it just gets too heavy and we have to surrender and be like, God, source, universe, whatever it is that your higher power, take the, take control. Like I give up. And, and then that's whenever the magic starts happening. And I always relate healing to like an onion. There's many layers to it. And you just paying attention to the synchronicities and things that are coming into your life after you do that grand surrender, then that is just, I really love and am fascinated by the things that happen after, because there's not just one surrender. I feel like there's several surrenders. (laughs) You go a little bit and then okay, I'm, this is not working. Please help me. That kind of thing. And just watching the magic that unfolds after that is just, I am just still in awe over things that come of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I spend my entire life and it's definitely the medicine of these times is how deeply can you soften? How deeply can you surrender Mm -hmm. and just let the universe take you and it's yeah it's a massive reprogramming it's such a process (laughs) so how do you feel like that you have been able to surrender into things yeah oh my gosh all aspects of my life I feel I really live a path of we don't have control It's there's a greater hand at play guiding and supporting all of us. We have free will, but there's a bigger thing happening. And I can really say that when things happen in my life that are less than ideal, and it's like, okay, and so it is. Yeah. Small example that I can give just because it's so relevant or so fresh is I had put money in Bitcoin early 2020. It's been sitting there. I finally was like, okay, let's take that money out and move it, move the currency, move the waters of the flow of my life and move that money in some way. And just a few days ago, I went to take that money out. It was $5,000. And when I went to take it out, I called a number and I sent that money to a fraud account in the crypto world. And so that $5,000 that I was moving to move energy in my life literally just went into the void, into a scam, right? Yeah. And so I was like, ooh, for a moment, tried to get that back. And then I had, okay, easy come, easy go. May the wealth and the abundance and the flow of security and support in my life come back as easily, if not more, that went out. What else am I going to do? It's already done. And so most of my life um I I live to that degree of and so it is yeah because if we don't if we hold on then we contract our energy field and we create stress in the body and the only person that suffers is you right in the end yeah (laughs) I love the saying it is what it is and I actually have a tattoo on my foot that says let it be Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't you know at the time whenever I got the tattoo I wasn't really like I didn't really understand that like I did I've always been a very calm person but um I did I wasn't at the extent to where I am now now I am it's a process. I'm not perfect by no means, but just whenever things happen, I'm just like, okay, this is what it is. And then like, how can I move forward from this? And not, I I really feel like it's a nervous system regulation. Um, And once we can regulate our nervous system and kind of get our mind on board also to realize like you're safe, it's all right. And, And that trust comes in too, I believe. Trusting that everything is happening for me and not to me and that there's a reason behind whatever it is that's happening. And then so 
allowing my nervous system to relax into that. And then whatever feelings are happening, if there is sadness, I allow myself to cry. If there is anger, I allow myself to be angry and not trying to like constantly fight that because then that just makes it last even longer. Whatever it is that you persist, it uh, whatever you resist persists. I really listen to those little sayings and I try to embody them as much as I can. And like I said, I'm not perfect, but that's just something that really helps. I believe helps me with my trust. And I see it time and time and time again, like looking back, like I was worried about this, like maybe I was worried about money coming in and then this happened and, or I was worried about this and then this happened. Like I've always had enough. And it's just, again, just looking back and then seeing how I don't have to control everything. Everything is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And just those little quotes too. I feel like we can spend our whole lives really embodying and integrating those pieces. Yeah. That which we resist persists. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to surrender resistance. Yeah. And every time I start to feel that in my body, I'm going to remember that quote and I'm going to soften more. So it's amazing. Just these little jewels. Oh my God. I should be learning from just that for the rest of my life. Yeah. So. mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love to also just always check in with the body and, and what is it that it's feeling and doing. I do a meditation in the morning also to connect with myself and what is it that I need today? And maybe it's just some water or a nap or whatever it is. And just trying to do that as well. And so I understand that you also do work with plant medicine. So can you tell me a little bit about what kind of plant medicine that it is that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, really, the only medicine I've ever worked with in this lifetime is the plant medicine of ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. A bit about my journey there is that as I was going through my awakening, I started attending a lot of festivals. And at the festivals, transformational festivals, people work with a lot of different medicines or substances. And in those containers, people really do use them to expand their consciousness and to connect deeper for the the broader scope of what I saw. But it never was resonant for me. And so I've only ever tried like any other like LSD one time, MDMA one time, psilocybin one time in my early 20s. And, and then I found ayahuasca and um, I'm d- deeply devoted to the path with that medicine. And I feel like that's all I'll, I'll ever need in this life. And I love that the connection is so pure and it's, yeah, the devotion is so, I'm so committed. <laughs> yeah. so. so can you tell us uh, for the listeners that don't know what ayahuasca is, can you tell us a little bit about what it is? and what people typically experience whenever they have an ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. So the medicine of ayahuasca is an entheogen and um, is used in a ceremonial setting to invoke healing. There's many different ways that we can work with ayahuasca because there's many different lineages in South America that work with this medicine. One thing that I'll say is that the traditional brew of ayahuasca, they use the copy vine that comes from the ayahuasca and they use chacruna leaves traditionally. And they combine the vine and the leaves in a a large pot with water. And what they do is they cook that medicine down for at least eight hours, blowing some apacho, which is a sacred tobacco, or singing ikaros, which are the songs that they use to heal. And they cook this medicine down and the alchemy of these two plants coming together creates uh, what we refer to as DMT. Um, The DMT is a psychoactive effect that we experience from ayahuasca. And what people can experience initially, it can be a little disorienting. 
Some people will can feel a little bit dizzy. People have visions, insights, and the most commonly uh, spoken about side effects of ayahuasca is that it's a purgative. And so the way that this medicine rids the body of stagnant energy is through expelling energy, either through vomiting or people have that same experience like out the other end or people like hot, cold experiences, nervous system shaking, crying, any way the energy has stored in the body can be expelled by working with this plant. Yeah, that's a bit about the brew, a bit about what you could experience, generally speaking. And I'll speak to the ceremonial part of it. And that's where we can vary quite drastically with the medicine of ayahuasca. Um, Primarily speaking, There's a shaman that has been learning these ways, ideally since birth. They're born into a lineage of ayahuascaros. And that intelligence is embedded in who their DNA. They have through ancestral line, it's encoded in who they are. Mm -hmm. And so the shaman is there to hold and guide and protect a safe space for people to go through these profoundly transformative journeys and so yeah they bring the tea the brew to the ceremony and I'm familiar primarily with the lineage of the Shipibo ayahuascaros and yeah, I, I can speak to that, that the Shipibo lineage, they work in the evening time, in the darkness, they'll light the candles, they'll serve each person a bit of what they refer to as a tea, ayahuasca tea. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes back to their mats, they blow out the candles, the room remains dark, and we sit in silence in stillness and the ayahuascaros the shamans they wait until they feel the effects of the medicine to start singing the ikaros which are their healing songs into the space to invite the journey to begin and yeah depending on which direction we want to go here there's many different lineages right there's the hunikun there's the Yawanawa, there's the Santo Daime, there's the Shipibo tradition, there's the Mestizo tradition. So just there, there's five different ways of working with this medicine to heal. And so, so are these typically in other countries or like I know that there's Peru is a really big place for it. Is Are there other countries that also where these tribes are at or shamans? Yeah, so I would say Peru and Brazil are the primary, and Colombia. So South America, you find this uh, medicine in the Amazon. And those would be the primary places that um, people would, yeah, journey to have that indigenous experience with this Mm -hmm. medicine. Yeah, and I have done two ayahuasca ceremonies and both of them were in Kentucky uh about two hours away from where I live and I have always said that I want to experience that like the full-on experience with the shaman and like all of it I was I feel like I was still able to experience profound healing from it like I I think that it was probably like 10 years worth of therapy in a weekend Mm -hmm. and for me each time I would set an intention before I drank the ayahuasca and they say that you can set the intention but she's going to give you what you need to see and it's different each time was different for me too like it wasn't and 
that's just one of the things that they say too, is don't expect it to be the same every single time. It's going to show you whatever it is that you need to see to, to provide healing or provide peace or love or whatever it is that you need at that time. And so each time that I've done it, it has been different and so profound and exactly what I've needed. And when there was a little bit of some resistance with the purging process. And so I think that kind of held things up a little bit, but then eventually I was just like, okay, whatever, like I I have to do this. And then it's, I feel like it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it really, but I feel like with the purging process and the vomiting, it's not like a normal vomit. It's to me, it felt like a whole energetic thing. Like it was just like bringing all of my trauma and all of my things into the center of my body. And then like just bringing it out. And it was just like this weight, this was just released from my body each time that I did this purging. And then just the visuals that I saw and the information that was brought to me and all of that, I, it's, I will forever be an advocate for plant medicine. And I, and I think it's not for everybody. Do your research, do what feels right for you. If it's not calling to you or you're just not interested in it, that's fine too. But it is a huge tool to use in healing, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And yeah, to speak to that purging process, it's so um, ingrained in our culture that when we are vomiting or that we are sick. Mm -hmm. And what we say is that you're not getting sick, you're getting well. Mm -hmm. And so we have a way of oppressing whatever's moving through us in this culture because we don't want to see people see us cry or it's all what if I'm too loud or but again back to that ability to surrender Mm -hmm. so if I'm holding on to this then I'm gonna let the universe know that I'm not ready to let go of this thing so the universe will continue to send experiences until we are at a point where we can let that go And surrendering to the purge, of course, is a huge piece and remembering, thank you. Thank you. I'm getting well. Whatever energy was in my body is no more. And so it is. Yes. Yeah. And And I really think that, sorry, go ahead. No, please. Yeah. So I really think that also looking at like crying and releasing emotions and whatever reason why you have those tears or wanting to release that, that it, that part is healing just because you cry doesn't mean that you're weak or that you can't handle it or whatever narrative it is that you're playing in the background, you can release that and just know that whenever you're crying, you're, you're healing yourself and you're letting it go. And then if you're letting it go, then that allows this new energy to come in of peace and forgiveness or whatever it is that you're dealing with. And so just being able to embrace that process is very important. Totally. Yeah. And that's like seeing the, the energy system of the body as like a computer hard drive. Right. And if the computer is full of old stories, traumas, things of the past, then we have no space for new timelines, new narratives to come in and be with us. Mm -hmm. And so when we're in a process, be it plant medicine or somatic experiencing or any opportunity where we're um, expelling energy, crying, let's use that example, we're crying, we're removing old stories and old narratives from the system. And something I always like to ask people when we're in that experience is what are you going to put in its place? Mm. How, so you get rid of sadness, what do you want to feel instead? Because if you don't decide, something else will. programming. 
Yeah. Old programming will, yeah, those neural pathways of the mind will take that space, mm-hmm. all that work that you've done. Yeah. How do you want to move forward in a different way? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes. So I really, whenever you're like, reprogramming and and things like that and I don't think that some people don't realize that like it's just automatic the programming that you have is automatic and this is stuff that you learn from whenever you were a kid or from whenever you were a teenager this is the way to act this is the way to be this is the way to be accepted this is the way to be loved and then it, it may not be the correct way and if you were taught that you were supposed to stay in your room and be quiet and don't make any kind of noise or draw any kind of attention to you and then later on in life that you want to write a book or you want to have start a podcast or that you want to start another job or go for a new spouse and you have that negative programming still in your mind and it's telling you that you can't do that you're not worthy of that or whatever else it is that it's saying and it's because of that old programming and so it's like you're cruising along going up and you're like going and you're going good and things are happening for you life is wonderful and then there's this stop and this stop is this your mind like telling you you're not worthy of that you can't do that Mm -hmm. what are you thinking you remember the last time that happened and so it's very important to I feel pay attention to those ego thoughts and those trauma thoughts and and like you said, like reprogramming them to let them know, like, that's not really true. Like I am worthy. I am divine. Like I have a divine birthright and I just, I don't have to do anything to deserve this worthiness. I just am. And so that unraveling process to realizing that you don't have to do anything or be anything or all of that is, is really huge. I think. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And also that's what I'll say too, to speaking to the plant medicine and when working with ayahuasca is that it is beyond the mind. Mm-hmm. This medicine works specifically with the spirit realm, with the soul. Mm-hmm. And so while those memories and those old things come up, sometimes in ceremony, the on a soul level, we're working to dissolve those patterns. We have to get beyond the limiting uh, capacity of the mind that keeps us very stuck in our story, stuck in our depression, stuck in whatever it is, our addictions. And this medicine has a way of people drinking ayahuasca one time mm-hmm. and then they go from being alcoholics to being sober never picking up a drink again yeah <laughs> it's the most effective tool that I've seen with the most miraculous healing for so many people through the retreats that I support and it's just yeah it's you can't really put words to it it's definitely like an experiential process yeah that to be courageous enough to open yourself to yeah yeah and, and it can also heal like illnesses and diseases too because I think of diseases like it's disease in your body and so when you're able to just let that go and working with regulating your nervous system and releasing all of that trauma that's in your body then through the ayahuasca it you're never going to be the same person ever again <laughs> and mm-hmm. I know that's the people who are going to the ayahuasca ceremonies they usually don't go to just one it's something that they do more than one time and um, I know for me I waited two years between my ceremonies because I want to be able to integrate and really take in everything that I saw and experienced. And so can you tell me a little bit about the integration process and what kind of things that you recommend for someone who is, maybe they did the ayahuasca and had a ceremony and then everything is just heavy right now. 
what what kind of tips and tools would you suggest for them to use? Yeah, I first want to mirror back that my journey with the medicine at first too, because I had come from a place of like abstinence and sobriety and I, it's me and the water and raw foods and all of creation. And so when I first worked with the medicine, I had no real scope of what psychedelics were like. I had no experience with that. And so when I first started working with this medicine, it was terrifying for me. (laughs) I was like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) But I saw the way that my entire reality started shifting and I really started healing. Mm-hmm. And so just to relate to you is my path. I started working with this medicine and I, I want to say 2015 and I worked with the medicine and then I took two years to integrate. And then I worked with the medicine and then I took two years to integrate. And it wasn't until the last few years of my life that I've devoted myself as a student of this medicine So those two years became maybe two months, (laughs) but, um, but that is to say like the integration piece is is so important and it's so valuable for you to be able to bridge the unseen or the unmeasurable in the mind into your waking life, into how you're moving through the world. And so for many people, because it is, it's so beyond the limitation of the material world, it's so beyond our day in and day out functioning program of society, of our culture. And so it can be jarring to go have that experience and then come back into your life. And so the first integration tool or suggestion that we make is to be gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. Be gentle when you go back into your life and do not make major decisions. You may have had visions or a felt sense of needing to make changes in your life, but Give yourself some time to let that information land. I'll revert. One of the first ayahuascaros that I sat with, they told me that once you drink ayahuasca, the medicine is still in your system, actively shifting your reality for two weeks after you've drank the medicine. I will also say that the medicine will be with you for the rest of your life. The spirit of that medicine will walk with you for the rest of your life. But those two weeks, she's still moving a lot for you. So just be gentle. I invite people to continue eating really clean for as long as you can after you've had that experience. I invite people to keep a a journal of their dreams, of what's coming up for them, of the desires that they have moving forward in their life, of the lessons that are landing for them of the synchronicities that they have the the bandwidth to see that they didn't see before. So I keep a journal close by to continue moving some of that out of your system and onto paper. Um, Yeah, and the other pieces is it will all fall under the tier of self-care. I invite people to work with flower baths. It's also something that is traditional to the Shipibo lineage, 
where you take the essence of the different flowers, working with rose, basil, chamomile, lavender, sage, all the things. And what you can do is you can get a, a large bucket of water and you take those flower essence, you put them in that bucket of water and you take your hands and you squeeze the essence of those plants into the water and you can either let them sit out for a few hours in the sunlight to infuse with the intelligence of the sun or you can let that brew sit out in the moonlight to infuse with the moon energy but you speak your prayers into those waters you speak your prayers into those plants and you coat so you can Take a shower, a regular shower, dry off. But what you're going to want to do with the flower bath is you can either take large scoops of that and allow that water to run all over your body, allow the essence of those flowers to be absorbed into your being, into your soul, and let it air dry into your skin. And that essence helps with your integration. It helps with protecting your vulnerable state of being, your energy body. That's whether or not you're working with ayahuasca, the path of working with plants, of working with the nature that surrounds all of us will be the single most embodying tool for you to have resource and allies on this planet that are beyond our human relations these are our relatives the plants and we have to see ourselves as such yeah i digress a little bit onto another topic super no that's fine <laughs> i love that it sounds like such a beautiful ceremony i would love to do that i have seen that before also so I definitely want to experience that. And I completely agree with you that once you have grandmother ayahuasca, then it stays with you for the rest of your life. And that I'm able to connect more with nature now. I had a really strong connection beforehand, but now it's just, I'm able to go out in the woods. I have a, a walkway that's a trail that's behind our house. My dog wants to say hi. <laughs> and she's like, hey. Um, but I'm able to go out there and then just like really connect with nature and really receive messages and just clearing my energy so much more than what I was before I've done ayahuasca. So it's a really beautiful. And then I just want to touch on one other thing. We keep saying she whenever we're talking about ayahuasca. And so it's just, would you like to touch on that and what it is that we, why we call it grandmother ayahuasca or what is the story behind that? Yeah, definitely. One thing I'll say is that the beauty of ayahuasca in uh, comparison to other psychedelics is that she is connected to the elementals of life. She is connected to the earth, the water, the fire, the air, and the ether through the roots of the Amazonian jungle. And so for you to speak to that, of course, your connection to nature, your connection to yourself is going to be profoundly transformed when we work with this medicine. Yeah. And... I, what I know is that specific medicines that we work with, their energetic imprints is, it can either be feminine, masculine, or non-binary. And the way that I see it is the grandmother ayahuasca is like the, she is the mother of all the plants in the Amazon and that her essence is very feminine mm -hmm. like the womb of possibility the void of where and what she is that the divine feminine the ayahuasqueros also work with like i mentioned earlier mapacho 
or sacred tobacco that grows in the jungle. That sacred tobacco is that divine masculine. It, it is that earth energy. And so that's my understanding is like this cosmic mother and the sacred, the earth, the father working with those two energies to, to come together and to create this experience between earth and sky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's such a beautiful experience too. <laughs> Do you feel mm. like in your experience, did you ever see what you perceived to be like a grandmother while you were in ceremony? Mm. Yeah. I, my experience with the medicine is quite interesting. At first I had some pretty radical visions um, that were just like um, relentless and it was just sifting through so much information. It was like the more medicine that I drink, the less visual the experience is for me. That's just my path with it. Maybe because I'm learning in a different way. It's more felt sense of the body, but I, I remember one journey that I had, yeah, specifically a couple years ago, but I was, yeah, I came face to face with what I would say is the spirit of ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely a feminine a, a picture. And remembering now too the teachers that I have, they're Shipibo, and they work with the tapestries where they embroider their visions into these incredible works of art. And that face, just remembering now, mirrors one of the faces that they drew, they um, embroidered into one of the tapestries of the face of ayahuasca and the face of Chakruna. And they had these two kind of mirroring each other in the tapestry. So, so yeah, have you had that experience? <laughs> yes, I, my my very first one I did, I saw what I perceived to be like a grandmother. And then there was a lot of ancestors that were behind her. And they were just like, I felt so much love. And it's, I don't think I've ever felt anything like that before. And it was, they were telling me about what the future around just like things that I was going to be doing and at first whenever I I started getting these visions even before ayahuasca that I was going to be helping other people and I was going to be on stage in front of like hundreds of people and at first I was like nope you picked the wrong person because I can't even talk to one person without having anxiety and part of my path that led me to ayahuasca is because I was intentionally putting myself in situations that would cause anxiety just because like I knew that I wanted to be around more people I knew that I wanted to go do things and have that connection and have more friends all of the things but there was this anxiety the social anxiety that was just like really heavy for me and I just wanted to cry and I, I just wanted to stay home all the time and so I just purposely put myself in those situations. And then so to bring it back to the story with the ayahuasca, they were just telling me the other things that are going to happen. And it's just telling me that I'm not alone in, in this and that they will always be there with me and that my ancestors, like, I can look at them and I can see, oh, they didn't figure it out. Like, they don't know what they're talking about because they did the same thing that I'm doing right now. There's the patterns of they did this and then now I'm doing it and my mom did it and all of this but then showing me that generational strength and letting me know that I can also call on that and because they're they have a lot of wisdom even if they didn't live their life like how we would say that they should have lived it they have a lot of wisdom and so I can always call on that and that grandmother ayahuasca it was just such a beautiful energy and I like I said, I've never felt any kind of love or just peace. And it was just amazing. <laughs> and I experienced that the, my second time also. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> yeah. And that is it too. It is also like the unconditional love of your grand of the grandmother mm -hmm. of however you are, wherever you are whatever you're experiencing 
I got you. Mm -hmm. And I am here to hold you unconditionally through all of it. And, and receiving that much support and that much felt sense of unconditional love and the presence of our ancestors. Yeah. That's going to change your reality because mm-hmm. it's, it's so felt right? like beyond anything that we have experienced on the, the earth realm. And I think that's why this medicine is like spreading so rapidly because Mm -hmm. we, that's innate in all of us. We want to be held that way. We want to hold the ones we, everyone Mm -hmm. that way. That's why she's like grand maestro. She's a master teacher. Curandera. Okay. Thank you for holding me even when I can't hold myself in this moment or right. whatever. It's yeah. like, she's got you. And I know you said earlier, it's a running joke of you won't get the experience you want. You get the experience that you need. And that's also to say she will not show you anything that you're not ready right. to look at or go through. So It's the full spectrum of experience that you can have. Yes, I personally have had some of the most difficult nights of my life with this medicine at the beginning when I didn't want to let go. Mm -hmm. And to this day, the most beautiful, profound, loving, joyful, just heart opening, expansive time and time again with this medicine of remembrance, the the truth of what we are, the unconditional love that we are, and that we're worthy of receiving. Each and every one of us, all is forgiven in the image and likeness of God, of ayahuasca. It's, yeah, in the eyes of creator, however you perceive that. Mm. Tell me a little bit about, if you're willing to share, what are some of the lessons that you're currently learning or have recently learned that you feel like you could speak to, to maybe help others move through it as well? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that. A lot of the the grand lessons of this life for me that are applicable, I think, to anyone, and we've touched a bit on some of them, is one is the art of surrender, of truly being able to be at ease within your nervous system as life happens around you. Mm-hmm. To really find the strength, the calm, the compass to be in it and not of it. Yeah. Through all of my life experience and all of my studies and definitely with the medicine, the art of surrender is huge. Mm -hmm. And that parallels also into not resisting what is. And you said it earlier, that which we resist persists. Mm -hmm. My experience with resistance is that I was in Peru working with the medicine very early on in my journey. And the experience came on really strong, really fast. And I started to, I used to have very bad anxiety and panic attacks. And I was there and I felt like I was going to go into that experience And one of the maestros brought me outside and he sat me outside and he says, come back to your breath. Your breath is the steering wheel for this experience. Take a deep breath in. And as I was sitting there, I had seen the fractalization of what resistance actually looks like from like the scope of a crystalline geometric form 
Mm -hmm. And I had seen how distorted it had become because I was resisting the medicine. So when I came back to my breath and I was able to calm my nervous system, all of that distortion became beauty. And helping people to soften into not holding on or not resisting. I feel like it's also something I'm I'm passionate about. And I think one of the biggest things that I've overcome in this life that is ever present in the reflections of the ceremonies that I sit in is that piece of sacred sexuality and how I feel like at this time, so many people are craving like a deeper level of intimacy with themselves Mm -hmm. and a deeper level of intimacy with in partnership be it romantic or platonic. And I mentioned briefly at the beginning, I had a lot of sexual trauma and I don't really talk about my journey so much, but that began for me at at quite a young age. And so to having healed all of that to like experiencing so much pleasure in my life, like pleasure, yes, sexually, Mm -hmm. and the pleasure in every little detail of my reality and teaching people the tools and the practices that are so simple of just slowing down and being with yourself slowing down and literally smelling the flowers like sitting with one strawberry when really taking the nectar of that gift and all of that starts to awaken within your being and that presence and that experience that that translates out into all your relations yeah super passionate about that piece because we're so estranged from it yeah I am also learning about sacred sexuality and pleasure and from my past whenever I was younger had the sexual trauma from several different men and then as an adult like I'm relearning what pleasure is is and relearning the sexual connection and intimacy and allowing certain things in the bedroom and just relearning all of that and I'm in the very beginning stages of it because I'm finally I'd say within the last three years finally ready to look at all of it and look at where I'm not fully allowing that full intimacy or allowing that full love because I still have somewhat of a wall put up because it's not safe, even though it really is. Mm-hmm. That's the programming that I have right now. And so I've been like, just like I was with the anxiety, purposely putting myself in situations with a safe partner, of course. Mm-hmm. And so just relearning all of that. And I'd love to hear what you feel like would help people that are in a similar situation as what we have been through? And then what are some of a couple steps that they can do if they're wanting to speak with their partner that they have now and be like, Hey, I have these things that happened in my past. And so I feel like I'm not able to fully open it up to you as much as I want to explore things a little bit more. I want to experience more pleasure. What are, besides the conversation that I just had, opening up and having that conversation beyond that, what are just a few things that you think are very important or some things that would help with that process? Yeah. Yeah, I w- a couple of things that I'll say is that healing is always going to be an inside job. And so it will start with you coming into yourself and learning those practices within yourself 
So self-pleasure practices first. And then also with healing, one thing we say is the more uncomfortable, the better, and the more vulnerable, the better. Because it is through that discomfort and it is through that vulnerability that we expose ourselves to be seen in the, the truth of what we are. And as we speak that out loud to say our partner, we're able to open up those doors for ourselves, for all that energy that we've been carrying to be moved and for also them to be seen and heard and expressed in the same light. And I think, yeah, the first thing you can do is speak to what's real for you is, whoa, no matter what age or no matter where you're at in your partnership, no matter what stage of that you're in, if you wish to express to your partner that you're just now realizing that experiences you had in the past are impacting your ability to fully open and receive the love that is being presented in the moment, then the first thing we have to do is address that. Acknowledge that's there. Ideally, our partner is able to receive that. Ideally, any living being on the planet would want to meet that and open to more pleasure and deeper intimacy. It feels like a win for everyone. And yeah, the first thing I would do is speak to that. And the recommendation I will always give in this context or otherwise is to slow down and feel more. So when it comes to intimacy, it's like, how can you slow down to even know what your nervous system is experiencing? Slowing down to invite all of yourself online to the present moment. Mm -hmm. And it, it's definitely a practice of presence. Yeah. So all of the things you'll see, light the candles. It's just slow down without seeking that orgasmic achievement of just, there's a whole lot here that we have to unwind and repattern and be with and love into a place of potentiality. But we have to peel back those layers first. And yeah, I would say address it, light the candles, turn your sexuality into ceremony, bring the sacred into that space. And for women, there's practices, there's yoni mapping, there's lingam massage. There's so much in that space that we totally just bypass to get into the thing. And y'all, we are missing some yeah. juicy <laughs> experiences here. And the, the truth is that we learn together. This whole tantric, intimate space, it's raw and it's vulnerable and everyone's learning together. Yeah. And so if there's the awkward moments or the things that don't flow or that I'm not really into that, cool. Now we know. Yeah. You, you, it's no big deal. Cool. We had, we got to explore that because well, the other piece for me is you're a living, breathing human. What else are you good? Be curious explore what else are you going to do the same thing every day come on right <laughs> it's like there's so much for us to experience 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And I, anytime that I try to learn anything or explore anything, I usually always go to YouTube and, and podcasts and things like that. So that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. And I, I know that I want to get deeper into the subject of sacred sexuality. And so I've been exploring it in other ways that are outside of the bedroom. So how can I find pleasure outside of the bedroom? Can I really enjoy the time with my kids and being in the right now moment and they're laughing and they're giggling and having fun and can I also join in that energy and joke around with them or have fun with them play games with them instead of being like oh we have chores to do oh we have this to do we have I have to do the dishes I have to we have to go to cheer or whatever is going on can I actually be right now is they're having fun or can I create that fun or that pleasure and so I'm slowly like introducing it and seeing what does pleasure even feel like and wow (laughs) all of the things it's it really shifts a lot of things too and makes you slow down and just relax a little bit and realize that all the things that I have going on in my mind aren't necessarily things that I need to worry about and whenever I take the time to slow down it doesn't mean like things are going to not get done, but I'm, I feel better because I'm right here right now. And I'm not worried about all the things that are going on around me. I'm in that moment. And so then I'm able to fully experience it. For example, if I'm taking a bath, I'm going to have a me day. I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to have a salt bath and I'm going to light my sage and have the crystals, have the whole thing out. And I lay down in the bath and then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, oh, this happened and I need to do this. Mm. And I can't believe this happened. I'm not even in the bath. I'm not Mm. actually enjoying the warm temperature of the water that's on my skin or this that I can smell. And so just really bringing myself back to that present moment and giving myself self-care and really being there makes a huge difference and then clearing out all of the energy whenever I make those I call it a ceremony I do it's something that I really love to take a bath and a shower and I make that a ceremony for me to where I say I'm now releasing any energy I now release whatever the situation is I'm going to be right here right now (laughs) and I feel like that's a huge have huge change for me yeah I love that you speak to that it's yeah it's not just the intimacy in the bedroom with our partnership but pleasure will always be derived from the present moment you can watch all the videos you can you know the how to with the tantric work the eye gazing the whole just slow down and arrive to the present moment connect to the beauty around you listen to the birds look at the trees listen to your children giggle what brings you joy time and time again and when you find the mind slipping like in the sacred bath yeah (laughs) deep breath like here I am and again reconnecting and the more we train the brain and the mind to be in that state it becomes our regular state of being yeah oh yeah but I yeah thanks for speaking to that that it's in every moment in every aspect of our lives come home to that So I would love for you to tell me what you're currently working on right now and where can people find you? Mm, Yeah. So as far as work goes, (laughs) the the current work that I'm aligned with right now is something called Orientation. It's a program that I'm launching that helps people to connect to their orientation in this life orientation within themselves, orientation with the sky, the earth, the elementals all around as a compass to to feel empowered and embodied 
in all the relations. That's the most alive for me right now. And gosh, yeah, we have a women's workshop coming up in Phoenix, Arizona, February 24th. It's a women's empowerment through mature leadership. It's also alive. And yeah, the easiest way to find me, although I have to admit I am not active right now on the socials as a way of restoring my energy as I birth this project. The easiest way to find me is on Instagram. My Instagram is element period tree element tree. And my website is amanda-alchemy.com. But either one of those ways would be Yeah, how anybody could get in contact with me. And while yes, this is my business, I'm also a living, breathing human being. I'm here to support people in any way that they need. I trust the reciprocity within creation and that I'm here to serve whoever and however people need support. And that's what I'm here for. So yeah, whatever that looks like, any way that I can show up and be an honor. Yeah. So that will also be in the show notes. I'll make sure to put the website and your Instagram and all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, just yeah, thank you. My gratitude for having me with you and to share, yeah, this path and this journey. And Yeah, just I just want to send everybody so many blessings on their healing, on the reclamation of self, on the restoration to their divine blueprint, on their connection to the earth and the sky and all the relatives in between. May all beings feel supported, be happy, free, and may they remember the truth of the unconditional love that each and every one of us are and And that our birthright is to experience and live joy, to bridge heaven on earth, and um, just to continue to accelerate the the healing um, on the planet right now. So uh, just blessings on the way and remember your whole and complete, pure and perfect in the image and likeness of God. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. It really helps me a lot if you can subscribe, rate, or review the show. Don't forget to join me in my free Facebook group, Mystic Soul Unveiled, where I will go live every Thursday to answer your questions about the episode, provide additional support, journal prompts, and more. May your week be filled with pleasure and may you see the mystical side of all things.